All right, hallelujah. hallelujah. If you feel good, say, I feel good. Yeah. Amen. Um, I just want to uh, also recognize uh, one of our core leaders. Is she's flown in from Korea to be with us here. Her name is Cassandra. Cassandra, could you just stand up for a moment? Right. Cassandra. She's uh, young, single, and ready to mingle. She, uh, she also serves us as a part-time admin at our church. Uh, she's just a wonderful uh, leader, discipler. It's good to have her with us here today. Um, if you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. And I'm going to read from the NIV version of the Bible. Just read it along in your whatever version you have. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5 and 6. The word of the Lord says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you you it's the word of the lord you know about a few weeks ago the world of sports has been turned upside down by a young asian american named jeremy lin whether you're white black vietnamese korean you probably heard of him by now whether you like basketball or not you have probably heard of this gentleman named jeremy lin if you haven't heard of him, you need to get internet at your home. I don't know what's going on. Everybody and their mama's talking about him. He has led the struggling New York Knicks to seven straight wins in a row. And one of those wins, he scored 38 points against the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant. I remember they interviewed Kobe before the game, and they were like, uh, are you concerned about this gentleman, Jer Jeremy Lin? He's been really on fire. He's been playing really well. And Kobe's like, who's that? <laughs> After the game, all right, Jeremy had Kobe speaking Taiwanese, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> he scored 38 points and led them to a win over the Lakers. He's been averaging 24.4 points, 9.1 assists, 4 rebounds before last night's game. And all of this, he did it right off the bench. Uh, some people compare Jeremy Lin and Tim Tebow in the NFL because these two are both Christians. And both of them have led their professional teams to many consecutive wins. But when you look closely, their stories are vastly different. Let me point out some of those differences for you. You see, for Tim Tebow, when he came out of high school, he was one of the most coveted athletes in college football. At the University of Florida, he won the Heisman Trophy, which is the highest accolade you can get as a college football player. He won it on a sophomore year. He went on to lead the Gators to two BCS championships, setting five NCAA records. 
the most casual football fan knew who Tim Tebow was when he came out of college. Jeremy Lin, on the other hand, did not get any scholarships out of high school. Nobody was scouting him to come play for him. He played basketball at Harvard, a school that has never played in the NCAA tournament and has never produced an NBA player. No one knew who he was. Tebow was drafted in the first round of the 2010 NFL Draft. Lynn was undrafted. He was unproven. He was a nobody. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Ever feel sometimes like everybody's overlooked you? You know you got real skill. You know you have real talent. But you feel like Jeremy Lynn. You know, Tebow is also, he's a white quarterback. This is a common thing in the NFL. Lynn is an Asian-American basketball player, something that had never happened before a month ago. Now, I know y'all know, know about Yao Ming, but Yao Ming is not Asian-American. He only speaks Chinese. All right, he was born in China. He don't know nothing about American culture, but Jeremy Lin, this is an American-born Asian-American. Today, I want to talk about the Jeremy Lin phenomenon. Because the story of Jeremy Lin may seem uncommon, but if you look through the scriptures, you actually see that God loves to write stories like this. He loves to write stories of men or women of God that he prepares in the hidden place. They're so hidden, nobody knows about them. But God is grooming them. God is preparing them. They're overlooked and disregarded by the world. But out of nowhere, they break out and they bring great glory to God with their amazing ability and character. And if we look closely at how God prepares the Jeremy Lins, I believe that we will gain a fresh perspective on the various seasons that God brings us through in life. In 1 Samuel, the Bible talks about a Jeremy Lin who lived thousands of years ago. Instead of being a part of a basketball team, he was part of the Israeli army. He too had no scholarship out of high school and was undrafted. When he fought his first battle, no one knew who he was. One day on the battlefield, while the army was demoralized, and their star players were on injured reserve, an opportunity was given for this young man to step up and take on the Yao Ming, the Shaquille O'Neal of that day. And step up he did. With great boldness and a few stones, he stepped into the paint and he defeated the giant and then he led the rest of the army into great victory. We all know that this young man's name was David. Amen. Now, on initial appearance, people may have thought that David got lucky in his victory. Oh, that boy, he had some stones. He had a lucky shot. It happened, it happened to hit Goliath in the, in the right spot, and it knocked him out. And some people might have thought it was a lucky shot. But what the media didn't know was this young man was set apart by God. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Uh, the U.S. Secretary of Ed Education, Arne Duncan, he played basketball with Jeremy Lin at Harvard. 
and he said this about him. He said, everyone who thinks that this is an overnight success fundamentally gets this wrong. Jeremy has been very good for a long time and just never quite had the opportunity. See, God was preparing Jeremy in the secret place. God prepared David in the secret place. And when the time, when the proper time arrived, David stepped up and he fought Goliath and he gained the victory. And we know that it wasn't luck because after that he goes out to battle. He leads Israel's army into battle and he wins again and again and again and again. Just like Jeremy Lin is doing right now. I know he lost last night, but tonight they'll be playing the defending world champions. Uh, I'm interested to see how they do tonight. But he has won, he has led the New York Knicks. You know, after that first game, people were like, oh, that, that Asian kid got lucky. <laughs> right off the bench, he got lucky. Second game, oh, he got some skills. He can't keep it up. Third game, they're like, hmm, maybe we got something here. <laughs> then he played the Los Angeles Lakers, got, got 38 points. And people were like, this is the real deal. He has led them to victory after vi victory, just like David, because this is not luck. Amen. This is God's man. Right. Amen. God has been preparing David. God prepared David, and God has been preparing Jeremy Lin. Now, when we see people like David and Jeremy Lin, it may also inspire in us that desire to be successful, to be fruitful for the glory of God in our various callings. And I believe that this kind of heart is a very good thing. To aspire to have great influence. This is a good thing. But how many of us are willing to be faithful with the small things to get there? How many of us are willing to be overlooked again and again and again? You may aim for glory, but will you be faithful with the mundane assignment? Will you show up for practice? Will you do your homework? Will you show up on time to the prayer meeting, to the school world mission, to your internship? Hallelujah. You may, be, you may want to be entrusted with great authority, but how many of you are willing to submit to authority? If you want to be used mightily of God, you have to understand, God prepares his best man or woman in the secret place Amen. through seasons of being hidden. I believe this is why on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us to give in secret, pray in secret, and fast in secret. Amen. Develop your secret life with God because God loves to prepare his best men in the secret place. You know, David developed this quiet time history, this devotional life before the Lord. He developed it on the hillside taking care of his father's sheep. You know, he had it already because when he was called in by King Saul to minister to Saul because Saul was being demonized, David would come in and he would just play the harp. And he would sing these amazing songs and then the demonic spirits would lift off of King Saul and he would find relief. I'm telling you right now, David and... David, when he got called, and he didn't just pick up the harp and he said, oh, I hope I can make some music. Uh, let me just make up something on the spot. Let me wing it. I'm telling you, he was pulling out the songs from his secret devotions, from his quiet time with the sheep. 
you know, the only audience he had were little sheep for many, many years. You know what I'm saying? Some of you have a mighty preaching ministry. But you know what you, what you need to do? You just need to set up some teddy bears, some sheep. You, just need, you need to be faithful and just develop your preaching gift in a secret place, even if nobody's listening. You may be a gifted worship leader. But you look up at the stage and somebody who clearly has less musical gifting than you is leading worship. Not at this house, though. <laughs> Not at this house. I'm talking about, talking about, yeah, visitors and stuff, yeah. You may have a great entrepreneurial idea, a great calling to be the CEO. You may have a dream of being your own CEO, but your company just keeps overlooking you. They disregard you. They give every other knucklehead a, a promotion, but you don't. You may be an aspiring artist, actor, athlete, and you're going in and you know you got real gifts. You're putting in the practice, but you can't seem to reach that big break. And what I want to say to you in all these scenarios is, when you get tempted to fall into jealousy, to fall into frustration or despair, don't believe the devil's lies. God is purposely keeping you in the hidden place. Because that is the best place in which he's going to develop your character, hone your skills, build up your experience, until you're ready to go prime time. Everybody say prime time. If you want the prime time, you've got to embrace the seasons of hiddenness. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Once you've already gone prime time like Jeremy Lin has, once you're already in the public eye, it's too late to try to improve your character or skills. You know what I'm saying? The cameras are on you. The bloggers are looking at you. All your business associates have invested millions of dollars. All eyes are on you. It's too late by then. Every game you play, every interview you do, it's all going to get scrutinized. Especially if you tell them you're a Christian. Because the media is just filled with demonic spirits. <laughs> Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Media, man, they're out to get Christians, man. Christian leaders, anytime they f find a Christian leader, they will try to find any kind of dirt on you. There's a DC Talk song, DC Talk song, hip-hop group. And in their song, it begins with a quote. And the quote goes like this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out of the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. And it's very true. You know, nothing is more damaging to the Christian witness than seeing a Christian celebrity, Christian athlete, Christian pastor go prime time and then fall into some adulterous affair. Or, do, or say something knuckleheaded. They don't have that maturity. They don't have that Christ-like character that should have been produced in the secret place. They go prime time, and then they find out it's too late to try to develop your character. Then. 
And you know, for such athletes, I just wish that they would keep their faith a secret. Amen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell the media that you're a Buddhist. Tell them you're a Mormon. Give another religion a bad name. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you ready for prime time? As we've seen time and time again with a lot of Christian leaders, if you're not ready for prime time and you go prime time, it can be disastrous. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like we wish we had a remote control. You know what I mean? God's bringing us through all these tough processes where he's building our character, building our trust in him, building up our skills, whatever, right? And we just want to fast forward it. You ever see the Adam Sandler movie? Click, right? Don't some of us, we just wish we had that fast forward button. And some of us, you know, we kind of we kind of we kind of press that fast forward button in whatever ways we can. And we're constantly our petition before God is, Lord, hasten this time. Lord, help me to get through this quickly. But the Lord is ordaining that to prepare you for the assignment. And I believe this is why the Bible presents us with King Saul and King David in the same book of 1 Samuel. We both know what happens and what ends up for King Saul and how successful King David is in contrast. But the biggest difference between these two men is not how they uh, ended up, but it's also the process that God used to make them a king before God brought them to prime time. You see, Saul was simply given the throne. On the other hand, David was brought through a painful process in which he went through several seasons of being hidden. You know, his father says, go tend the sheep. He was in the hidden place in that hillside. Later on, he's uh, serving in the army. King Saul's still in charge, so he's in the hidden place. Eventually, King Saul tries to kill him, so he runs, into the, he runs away into the wilderness, into the caves. He's in the hidden place. When he tries to take over the, uh, take the throne and God, it's, God says it's time, even then he doesn't become king over all of Israel. He only became king at Hebron yeah. over a couple of the tribes because he was still in the hidden place. I mean, God brought him through a very painful process before God made him the king. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is God told David that he is the next king of Israel when he was just a young teenager. Yeah. Sound familiar? God did the same thing with Joseph. God sends him all these lofty dreams of greatness. You know, brothers, you guys are going to bow down to me. That's, what, that's how I interpret that dream. And his brothers just despised him. They hated him in, his heart, in their hearts. But God tells David as a young man, you are the next king of Israel. But it didn't take overnight. It was a couple of decades before David finally took the throne. David had to possess that word by faith until God brought him through the processes in which he was going to fulfill it. And I'm telling you, David, along the way, he had to shake off frustration. He had to shake off jealousy. He had to shake off despair. He had to believe the word of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, as we read earlier, says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time... He may exalt you. 
Everybody say, at the proper time. At the proper time. You see, God has the proper time for you to go prime time. And it depends. It, it could depend on different levels of assignments too. You know what I mean? He may, he may hide, keep you in the hidden place. And then he says, all right, you're ready to be, uh, you're ready to take authority over the, uh, the bathroom cleaning. <laughs> it's ready for you to go prime time. <laughs> Step out, son, and move out in faith and take authority over the bathroom. Yeah. And then you were doing the bathroom. You're like all excited to do the bathroom. And then you realize, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Compared to the dreams that are on my heart, I'm still in a secret place. And you be faithful with that bathroom, and the pastor Benjamin comes to you and says, "All right, you're ready to join the praise team. I want you to take authority over the praise team." And you're like, "Yes, yeah, prime time now for me." And you become the praise team leader, and you're you're leading worship here at Living Hope. But then you find out that the dreams in your heart, you realize, you're still in your hidden season. Yeah. Because the dreams in your heart is citywide influence, nationwide worship albums that are gonna bless the body, a wider body of Christ. And so you realize, man, I'm still in the hidden place. Yeah. But I'm going to be faithful right here. Yeah. I'm going to be joyful and faithful because God's taking me somewhere. Yeah. You know, you can't rush the proper time. Yeah. We have to wait and we have to entrust ourselves yeah. to, the, to God the Father to release us, exalt us at the proper time. You know, David... He knew he was supposed to be the king. But for all those years, he did not try to take the throne by force. Yeah. He didn't complain about it. He humbled himself. And he waited for God to exalt him. Yeah. You know, a great example of another athlete that humbled himself and was exalted by God at the proper time is Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner was an undrafted football quarterback. And at one point, he was living in his parents' basement, and he was working as a stock boy at a grocery store while trying to land a spot with an NFL team. And when this didn't happen, he spent about four seasons in the arena and world football leagues. Now, how many of you guys have ever watched a game in the arena or world football league? Oh, hallelujah, we have two people in here. Last service, we had nobody. I mean, for most players, when you play in the arena league or the football league, uh, the world league, I don't know why they call it a world league, because the world ain't watching. <laughs> I mean, for many football players, that's the hidden place. Yeah. That's not where they want to stay. You know what I mean? And Kurt Warner faithfully played several seasons in these leagues, and then in 1998, God said, it is time. Yeah. The proper time has arrived, and now I'm going to exalt you. And he landed a spot with the St. Louis Rams. And that very next season, when he played the whole season, he was the MVP, and he ended up leading the St. Louis Rams to a Super Bowl. Yeah. In fact, he played his whole career. It wasn't just luck. He played time in, time out, and time out, time in, and time out again. And he made three Super Bowl appearances. He was Super Bowl MVP once. Uh, he won two MVP awards for the entire season. And he set multitudes of NFL records. And if you didn't know, Kurt Warner is also a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian. And he uses his influence to be a witness and to do charitable work all over the U.S. Kurt Warner humbled himself in the hidden place. 
He prepared diligently. He went to practice. He was faithful with the small things. And at the proper time, God exalted him. You know, Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism does not have these kinds of stories. Come on now. How many, when's the last time you heard about a Hindu athlete like Jeremy Lin came out of nowhere and all these people are not interested in Hinduism? Uh-uh. Only the, the children of the Most High gets to enjoy stories like this. It's the favor of the Lord. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives us that extra edge. You know, God uses the secret place. He uses that hidden, the hidden seasons of our life to build our character, to build our trust in Him, to teach us how to warfare. He has a specific purpose for delaying our prime time date, for delay, delaying or, or, or setting that proper time. He has purposes for it. Sometimes He knows that we are not ready for all of the attacks of the enemy that will come when we go prime time. You know, Jeremy Lin, you know, he's ex ex experiencing all this success, but right now he's also experiencing a lot of attack. Yeah. You know, I think ESPN the other day, they, they printed on their mobile app uh, news feed, they, they put a headline, and they put, after he lost, it was the first time he lost, they put as the headline, chink in the armor. Now, I grew up hearing chink all the time. All right, I grew up on the streets of Philadelphia. All right, everybody will say, hey, Ching, hey, Ching, Chong, Ching, go back to China. And when I didn't really understand all the, what racism was about in America, I would just tell them, no, 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 I'm from Korea. <laughs> and I just thought they were just mistaken, you know? <laughs> but yeah, right, right now, Jeremy Lin is getting intense attack from the media. All kinds of haters, yeah. you know. And if he doesn't, if he didn't have the character that he got from the hidden place, yeah. right now he would just be messing it all up. Yeah. He would not be able to properly steward the influence and platform he has received. And you know, Satan, God knows that we may not be able to take those attacks from the enemy when we go prime time. So he'll keep us in that hidden hidden place longer, or he'll bring us to various seasons of hiddenness. So that we can build that character. You know, I want to I wanna go prime time. And in some senses, I have gone prime time. You know, I was one of those hidden people. I was one of those Davids, those Jeremy Lins. Because people always ask me, how did you become the pastor of New Philadelphia Church? And I always have to chuckle a little bit before I tell them. Because it's an unusual story. Especially in Korean church culture. Yeah. You know, in Korea, Confucianism is huge and in Confucianism if you don't know education is highly valued yeah. so they don't believe uh, that they, they believe that the pen is mightier than the sword yeah. now we all know in America we don't believe that right. you know we believe the sword is mightier than the pen <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna take out a pen you know we believe we, we value education here but you know if somebody you know throws out a gun it's like you know it's the game over <laughs> but in Korea you know they really value the pen over the sword and so education is highly, uh, highly esteemed. And so for you to become a pastor in a Korean church, you must have a seminary degree and an ordination. Yeah. 
And if you don't, they consider you a fake pastor. They won't even call you by the equivalent of the term pastor. They call you like a junior pastor, chondosa, an understudy pastor. Well, my story is, I was on staff with Campus Crusade. I had no intentions to become the pastor of New Philadelphia Church. I had no intentions to be a pastor, period. I had a missionary heart, and I was just serving the Lord and following the Lord. And what happened in, at the end of 2007 is, our lead pastor of our English ministry, a guy named, uh, Indian guy named Pastor Sam, he made a trip to Chicago, came back engaged, and the next thing we know, he's telling us he's going to move to Chicago and get married. And so we need to fill this vacancy. So our church is under a bigger uh, Korean church. The Korean church is about two, 3,000 people, right? And the mother church started to interview people and search for a new English ministry pastor. And as they were praying and interviewing people, what happened was our English ministry got... Uh, we ex experienced the fire of revival, the fire of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on our congregation. So we went from a traditional conservative Presbyterian church to shakalamo sakaranabas. I mean, everybody was filled with fire. People are on the ground shaking every week. I mean, it was really like, really, I mean, I never grew up with that. Maybe some of y'all have. I never grew up with that. So, I mean, every week it was like, it was like, man, we had to really process what was going on. It was all new to us. And when they were afraid of putting the wrong pastor in, they thought it, the wrong pastor would kill it. Yeah. So they started interviewing all these people, and then the, uh, uh, the wife of the senior pastor gets a prophetic word, and they, they feel like somebody within the English ministry is going to rise up and take it. Uh -huh. Somebody who's undrafted. Yeah. Unproven. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And so... Yeah, at the end of 2007, at the beginning of 2008, they come up to me and they say, Christian, could you pray about becoming the lead pastor of our English ministry? And I was like, oh, I didn't plan on doing that. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll pray about it, but I don't know, you know. And so I go and I pray about it. And the, and the Lord reminded me of a prophetic word I had received eight years earlier at my baptism. Uh, my college mentor prophesied over me that... Christian Lee, the church of Jesus Christ will ask of you of service. Amen. And young people will be drawn to you. They will seek you out for counsel. Right? And so I remember that word. And I was like, maybe this is God's fulfilling that word eight years later. God had me in that hidden place with Campus Crusade, preparing me to be the pastor. And I kind of looked inside and I was like, am I ready to be a pastor? And I looked inside I said, yeah, I am. I called him up. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> now, actually, you know, I, I, I was pretty, you know, I, I had a healthy amount of confidence to, to be able to do it. But, you know, even when I said yes, I thought it would be temporary. Yeah. I thought I'd do it for two years part-time, and then we'd find somebody else to take it over. And I wasn't planning to leave Campus Crusade because I was really enjoying my time there. But in those two years, let me tell you, God did such an amazing work at our church, people more and more people are getting blasted by the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking about people who have never experienced the fire of God. They would come to our church. They would be scared because they would be, what is going on here? And then I'll, I'll preach and do an altar call. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if, 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 if they like my humor, if they like the way I look. I don't know what it is. But young people would just come to the altar 
they've never experienced a fire. They will come to the altar every week. They come to the altar, and I'll just pray for them, and they just get slain in the spirit, touched by the fire of God. Next thing I know, you know, they're getting up, seeing prophetic visions. They're experiencing all kinds of manifestations and tongues, and revival just start breaking out. We're sending teams out to the missions field. These missions teams going out to uh, Myanmar, going out to uh, uh, Thailand, Philippines, India, some hard, tough places in India. And they go and they preach. Fire of God shows up. Yeah. Yes. We went to this one area in India called Manipur, a whole bunch of conservative Baptists, like American type of Southern Baptists, people who don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My wife went there. I didn't even go. I just sent her. She went there. And they were, they didn't like, they don't have a grit for uh, female preachers. So they didn't embrace her. But they just kind of let her do it. She preached, fire of God showed up, people were just getting slain left and right. Amen. The Baptist pastors all of a sudden were like, we better change our theology. Because <laughs> what the Americans taught us is wrong. <laughs> they, they were so excited, they invited me to come two years later. And I got to preach in that same place. And saw mighty deliverances. I mean, it got so exciting. Campus Crusade was just, man, it, it, I love Campus Crusade. I learned so much about leadership, professionalism. Uh, I've seen conferences uh, with 1,000 students. I've seen conferences with 17,000 students. I mean, I, I, I've gotten so many wonderful experiences there. But I knew that the Lord was bringing close to that chapter and calling me to be a full-time lead pastor. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's kind of like my story. I have no seminary degree. I have no ordination. I had no experience. I had no reputation. I am Jeremy Lin. You know what I'm talking about? And I said, demons, watch out. I'm taking this shot right here. You saw that Toronto game? Last second, in your face, devil. Bam. You know, I'm just like. I mean, I've been beating up the devil for these last three, four years. It's so fun. I can't, I can't quit this job. Yeah. This job is just, it's got too many benefits. Yeah. You see, and, and, but even now, I believe that I'm in a hidden place. Yeah, I believe that if I were to go, like, prime time, prime time to the next level, like, if I start having global influence, yeah. or even if, like, right now, I notice that God's kind of... Uh, Give me a little bit of influence here in the Bay Area because I get to preach at Living Water and here at Living Hope. You know, you, you guys, you, you guys, you know, you guys, you know, celebrate me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, hallelujah. You think, you think I'm good, right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like if that influence were to spread all over California or even across the U.S. Right now, let me be honest. Okay. If people like started slandering me, accusing me, interviewing me. Okay. I'm not, I don't know if I'm quite ready to say everything politically correct. Because, <laughs> you know, you got to understand, I grew up on the urban streets. I mean, I got into fist fights. You know, you know I, I, when I, up until eighth grade, every other word out of my mouth was a curse word. You know? I mean, that, that's how you had to survive. I mean, you know, everybody else, I mean, if you didn't use curse words, I mean, you were a chump. People would walk all over you. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not recommending the young people in here use curse words. Let's put that behind us. That was in the flesh. <laughs> but man, I mean, that kind of background, you know, I, I'm still learning how to be like mannered. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if somebody would say something real offensive to me, man, I'll just get in their face. 
But even in Korea, man, when I'm when I'm driving, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to take authority over my road rage, right? In fact, I have no road rage. I am a peacemaker. Let me tell you, man, it, it's been a battle, though, you know? It's been a battle I'm, I'm trying to overcome, and I'm glad God's got me in the hidden place in that sense. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm afraid that I'm just going to, you know, like start yelling and shouting at, 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 at some, like, church uh, elder or something, you know? <laughs> or some other famous pastor, and they're like, isn't that pastor Christian? And one time that almost happened. That almost happened because I was walking to seminary, right? I was walking to my seminary classes, and on my way there, this car just came out of nowhere and it almost hit me, right? So I kind of take a step back and I looked at the driver and uh, I have a bad habit of saying, um, like using the word freak. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's a bad habit. Anyway, you know, I just kind of said, what the freak? Like, you freaking bad driver? I don't know what was coming out of my mouth, but it looked like, it looked like a, a, a word that became a letter F was coming out of my mouth. And then I look at his eyes, and it's one of my professors. <laughs> now, I haven't, actually, he's a professor at the seminary, but I haven't had class yet with him. I'm just hoping that he's not teaching the semester I have to take his class. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid, because I'm, I'm not ready for prime time yet. So I'm kind of I'm glad God's got me in the hidden season. Amen. I want to learn the lessons I need to learn. Yeah. I don't want to fast forward through this. Yeah. It's like a caterpillar. Uh, Pastor Aaron mentioned that earlier, right? You know, God keeps that caterpillar. He wants that caterpillar uh, to turn into a butterfly and fly. But he keeps that caterpillar in the hidden place. Why? Because it's in that hidden place that amazing transformation takes place. You you go from crawling to flying. How amazing is that? What a picture of the Christian life. Or I like, I like the analogy of an eagle's egg. Yeah. You know? God keeps you in that hidden place, right? And then you grow, you nurture, and then when you're ready, God, 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 God calls us to break out of that egg, break out of that shell. Yeah. And then we break out, like a little chick, right? But even then, what does the, uh, the mama eagle do? The, the mama eagle just pushes that baby and keeps that baby hidden. And nurtures that baby for another season. Yeah. Right? But when the season comes for that, for that little baby eagle to go prime time, what does, what does Mama Eagle do? Mama Eagle just picks up that baby eagle and throws him out. <laughs> That's kind of like what happened to Jeremy Lin. Yeah. You know, he's warming up the bench. And next thing you know, the coach is like, come on, Jeremy, this is your chance. Jeremy comes out, and next thing you know, he's flying. Yeah. Like he didn't gradually... Get successful, you notice that? He was ready, and then bam! Suddenly, it's like Peter on the day of Pentecost. Jesus has been giving him his words, and it looks like Peter's not really getting it. But Peter's getting it all. It's it's all there. It's in the hidden place. It's in seed form. And what happens on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the disciples. And seemingly out of nowhere, Peter preaches this powerful message. 3,000 people get saved. Amen. Jeremy Lin phenomenon right there. Yeah. I'm telling you, God loves to write these types of stories. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, Jesus said it like this. You know, he didn't use a caterpillar or an egg. He used the analogy of a seed. He said the kingdom of God 
is like a seed, like a mustard seed, like the smallest of all seeds, like, like the smallest, the most despised, like the Asian American seed. You know what I mean? But when that seed grows, it becomes the largest of all plants. You know, God has put the kingdom inside each, of, each and every one of you. Amen. But for most of us, it's in seed form. Yeah. And, and God has also given you not only the seed, but he's given you a vision and a dream yeah. to do great things for his glory. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we, we look at the seed, we look at the dream, and we, we think it's in conflict. Mm, but God's like, no, I'm bringing you through a process where that seed is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I believe in this thing called tipping point. Uh, if you study business, there's this phenomenon called tipping point, right? It's where, you know, Facebook is kind of like popular, 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 and then tipping point, and man, the whole world's on Facebook. It's like same thing with like Twitter. It's the same thing uh, even in the Middle East with all the revolutions and uh, overthrowing of different governments that's been happening there. You know, people are kind of uh, unhappy, they start protesting, but then there's this tipping point, and everybody and their mama is on the street protesting. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, the president has to resign. Yeah. And, and it's like that in the business realm for like different products. There's a tipping point. And I believe there's a spiritual tipping point for each and every one of you. Yeah. If we will steward our seasons of hiddenness well, when that tipping point comes, we'll be ready to go prime, prime time. When that tipping point comes, we will suddenly be released into positions of success and influence, and we will have the character to steward it for a lifetime. Amen. I don't want just 15 minutes of influence, 15 minutes of fame. I believe God's people are called to be the salt and light. We are to be influential and, yes, even famous in terms of the glory of God being shown through us for a lifetime. There's a man in the Bible that is probably the best of the Jeremy Lin phenomenon stories. This man was born in a town that everybody despised. Nathaniel said of this town, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I know uh, Jeremy Lin was from San Francisco, right? Okay, so no, that, no, that's different. But Palo Alto. Okay, Palo Alto is like Nazareth. Okay. No, actually, if I, no, I don't know anything about Palo Alto. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Jesus was from this very despised, unknown, overlooked town called Nazareth. Even the Galileans looked down upon Nazareth. And for 30 years, nobody knew who he was. They just knew him as the illegitimate child who was supposedly born. Through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Heard that story. <laughs> and, and God kept him hidden for, for 30 years. And then um, he was also a minority, by the way. Amen. An oppressed minority. You know, he was like the Asian American of that day. <laughs> he was a Jew. And after 30 years of hiddenness, suddenly he appears on the scene. Next thing you know, signs and wonders, thousands of people are following Jesus from town to town. Amen. You know, Jeremy Lin's story, it awakens people 
it awakens something inside of people, whether you're a Christian or not. It awakens something. When we hear David and Goliath, those stories, it awakens something inside of us. You know why? Because the Jeremy Lin story, it's all pointing to the story of Jesus. Jesus was the undrafted, overlooked, despised Jeremy Lin who appeared and went to the cross to take away our sin. In fact, even after his public ministry, many people still despised him because the people who said Hosanna as he came into Jerusalem were the very people who said crucify him at his trial. They didn't really know who he was. They thought he was just a miracle worker. But after his death and resurrection, God began to reveal Jesus. Jesus began to go prime time to the ones that the Father began to reveal him to. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I'm saying to you today is God has not forgotten about you. God remembers the gifts he put inside of you. God remembers the dreams he has put inside of you. So don't get impatient. Don't get frustrated. Don't try to rush things. Don't get jealous. Don't get jealous of uh, Pastor Charles up here. All right, so you got more skill. But skill, just skill alone ain't going to do it. Don't fall into despair thinking that it will never happen. Wait upon the Lord. Humble yourself and wait upon the Lord. Walk through your seasons of submission, your seasons of sonship. Take authority over the bathroom. Take authority over the floor. Serve the house. Serve in your company. Work on your acting skills. Work on your singing skills. Don't just go to American Idol tryouts and just wing it. Prepare yourself before you show up. Wait till God exalts you. And at the proper time, you're going to fly. And God's just going to use your, your, your life for great glory to His name. But let's remember, don't ever force it. We've got to entrust ourselves, humble ourselves. Let the Father reveal and exalt us. For his name and for his glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord Father, I just thank you for each and every person in here. And God, I thank you that some people in here, they're in that season where they feel like nobody recognizes them. Nobody sees what they're capable of. And they feel like they're in that hidden place. I just pray that God... 
that they would rejoice in that hidden place. That they will have thanksgiving in that hidden place. Because God, you are forging for them the character that they need in that hidden place for them to go prime time. Father, there are also other people in here that for them, they, they need to step out. They need to step out and break the shells that are around them. They've been hidden too long. There are people in here that have been hidden too long. And the Lord says, it's time for you to break out of your shell. And Father, for them, Lord, I pray a prayer of blessing, a prayer of courage, a prayer like the, like the blessing you gave to Joshua. When you said, be strong and courageous, for today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel. Pray that, God, you give them courage so they can step out of their shells and step into a new season to serve and to, and to minister and to do what you have called them to do. But, Father, I pray for all the sons and daughters in here. I thank you that they are like a tree planted by streams of water. In everything that they do, they will prosper because your favor is upon them, because they know who they are in Christ, and because they have a mighty call and a plan that you have laid out for them. Praise you, Father. Praise you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a story that we can all relate to, Lord. And it's a story that is part, we are part of that story. We're part of the bigger redemptive story. So, Lord, use our lives. Write your story with the ink of our lives, Lord. Write a beautiful one that the whole world may see and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.